Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to a brand spanking new episode of After Work Drinks With. This week we are so happy to bring you a conversation with Shah Elise, who we have wanted to get on the podcast for ages and have managed to tie down this week. Yes, so Shah is amazing. She's a model and activist, and she is best known for her platform, Girls Will Be Boys. Um, It started off as a fashion blog, and last year she relaunched it as a kind of amazing digital platform to celebrate the whole spectrum of gender identity. And she does that a lot through short films, which she creates and directs. And she kind of created this viral movement with the short film hashtag, oh my God, she's bald. And it just explored the way that hair plays this really important role in the way that we understand gender and race and the kind of intersection between those two things. Um, And that became a kind of viral sensation as well at the time. So yeah, we are super stoked to be talking to her. As always, please rate, review and subscribe and we will see you on Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Again, we're very excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Um, So we wanted to jump straight into things, I guess, with kind of a heavy topic. But um, obviously there's been like a huge momentum online at the moment around mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be a misconception from our perspective, at least being Australians who live in London, that the UK is kind of acting a bit like they don't have the same problem here or like it's a US problem. Are you noticing that? And Yeah, because people are saying that why is the UK protesting when no one's getting killed here? Like the police brutality is not as bad here. But it's like there's racism isn't, it's really like complicated. And I think people think racism is really black and white and simple. Um, But actually, there's stuff going on in the UK that we still need to fight for. Like, for example, um, oh, I've forgotten her name, but the woman who was spat on 
and oh, belly yeah yeah exactly and therefore and her the people that spat on her weren't charged and it's like there's still racist stuff going on here there's still um mostly POCs fighting on the front line for um, with regards to coronavirus. There's still um, more black women dying in childbirth. So it's like, there's still things that we need to fight for. I just feel like people think that we're only fighting for justice for those in America, which yeah, we are, that's what the protests are about. But also we're just fighting for a change in the system, like period. And I think people don't see it like that. They just think that we, we're just getting angry because stuff's happening in America. But actually there's stuff happening left, right and center everywhere. And we just want the system to change. And whilst everyone is recognizing it now, people are listening now. People have, like I said on my Instagram post, people, because of uh, the pandemic and being in quarantine, people are having the time to read all this stuff and sit with their white guilt and just recognize, oh my God, I've been, silent I've been complicit in all of this racist stuff that's actually happening around me um so now it's like because it's such an uprising it's the time to talk about it and to be out there fighting for it because people are actually listening yeah it's the same in Australia and New Zealand like racism is yes so overt in America because of the their fucked justice system but it's Mm. just as bad over here as well and in the Mm. UK it's just it's everywhere so I think yeah, it's so important that everyone addresses it now. Um, so in all of the books that I've been reading, I've just actually started Roxane Gay's Bad Feminist for the first time. And it was the exact same, um, she had the exact same story where she recounted being a child and being taught about racism from her parents from a really young age. Was that something that um, you experienced or what was kind of your first um memory of realizing that this is something that existed and something that was going to impact you I always remember the first time I was called the n-word and I was around seven or eight um and we were at like this kind of not theme park but it was kind of like a fake theme park market thing um with my family and it was nearish the seaside so it was predominantly a white area but we had family there so we'd always visit um and I just remember we were walking around the market stores and a white lady pushed her pram into the back of my foot and I turned around and said sorry just because I was a polite kid and then she was like you fucking n-word and then just walked off and I was like hold on a minute she put pushed her push into my foot I turned around and said sorry and then she went and called me that so I went and told um my mum because I'd never heard it before it's like I subconsciously knew what it meant and I knew that it was offensive and I knew that it was offensive because I'm black but I didn't necessarily know what it was so I didn't even I just went up to my mum and I was just like this lady just called me I think it was this word because I didn't even know what it was and then she just flipped and like her and my stepdad, who's actually white, just went over to her and were just like, this ain't the fucking 1960s, how dare you? And then she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it and all of this stuff. And I was just like, from then I was kind of like, wow, people are really going to have something to say about me before I've even opened my mouth. And then it's just like other things that have happened. I feel like it's only now when I'm having these conversations and learning more about microaggressions and sort of like, racism that isn't necessarily over that I'm looking back on friendships that I've had where friends would joke around and call me a slave and be like oh but I love you and it's just like 
I didn't even realize the stuff that I was going through until I'm now learning more about it and having like a name to call it. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that's my earliest memory. God, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Um, it kind of leans on something that you talked about in a recent Instagram post where you were explaining the concept of misogynoir, which is this mm-hmm. idea of misogyny specifically targeted at black women. Um, and just the fact that incidents like this, it kind of robs black children of their childhood or, or of their innocence because yeah. it's introducing you to something so hateful and adult so young at such a young age very messed up um we wanted to talk about your platform which is a huge part of why we wanted to talk to you in the first place which is amazing which is called girls will be boys um can you talk about why you wanted to launch a platform and then about what the name was and what the idea was behind having this space online um so it actually started as a fashion blog between me and um, a close friend of mine who actually lives in switzerland and I was visiting hers and we were um, going on a night out and we always dress kind of androgynous. And I just said to her, um, like, what's the dress code for the club? I said, do we have to dress like girls or can we just be boys? And then she was like, we should start a fashion blog. And I was like, hmm. And I thought about what I said and I was like, obviously there's the phrase, boys will be boys. And I thought, oh, girls will be boys. And at the time I had no awareness of non-binary identities or just no depth really to my knowledge of gender in general apart from my experience with it um so we started as a fashion blog but because of the distance where I was based in London she was in Switzerland um it didn't really work we weren't able to get content and I'd actually had an idea to do a project on women who have shaved their hair since I had shaved my hair in how old was I I think it was like seven years ago now. Um, so I'd always had this idea, but never known how to execute it. And I actually watched a documentary um, on ID with Ajua Boa, and it was about feminism. I don't know if you've seen it, it's really good. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to make a documentary, but I'm not a filmmaker. So I just asked a couple of friends if they would help me film this project. I messaged people on Instagram. Um, we filmed it over a weekend, and then we had, oh my God, she's bold. And I was like, right, I'm going to relaunch the vlog as a platform and create mini films or documentary styles and talk to people. And then the more it was received well and people were interested, the more I was like, this needs to be a platform where I pass the mic on people's experiences with gender because I'm still learning. I wasn't even out at the time of, um, I say out quote unquote, because I don't know. Um, But yeah, I wasn't even out at the sort of relaunching Girls Will Be Boys. So I'd even learned about myself and, question my gender identity and just all that stuff I feel like we're constantly learning and the only way that we can learn about this stuff properly is through hearing people's personal experiences so then yeah it just became a platform for passing the mic on people's experiences. You've said that everyone should shave their head once in their lives Mm -hmm. um what did shaving your head represent for you? Shaving my head was like a fresh thought it just felt like part of the missing piece to the puzzle because I felt like having hair that wasn't mine was performative um and I wanted I kind of thought about why do I want this long straight hair why do I want I just was think really thinking about why 
I had this hair, why I had these weaves, why I had these wigs, why if I went on holiday, I couldn't like go in the water because of my hair and all this kind of stuff. And my hair was constantly breaking because I was chemically straightening it. And I was just like, I just want to start again and just let go of all this stuff that is holding on to sort of like society's idea of being beautiful. And I just wanted to strip myself back and be enough without hair because I feel like that's a massive um, thing that your beauty is placed in as a woman. And I just wanted to get rid and see how I would go about navigating life with no hair. Um, and once I've, I've never grown my hair since, never. <laughs> Yeah, well, you look bloody good with it shaved. I think I would, yeah, you. You look I don't know how I would look. I would shave look our heads right horrendous. now, Grace. Yeah. <laughs> no, you need to do it. Everyone needs to do it. That's another thing that I said in a um, podcast recently is that we've rejected this notion of dressing for your body shape. But why do we still have our hair cut based on what we think suits our face? Mm. Yeah, so and true. it's such a feminist issue. Like, that's what the, one of the most eye-opening things about reading your work was I just hadn't thought so much about how hair is so central to like patriarchal beauty standards, mm -hmm. to Eurocentric beauty standards. It's such a key question in intersectional feminism. And we spoke to Kitty Cash last week and she was talking about, you know, being on sets for massive fashion shoots for massive publications and having a hairstylist that couldn't work with her. It's like once you wade into that minefield, you realize that hair is such a, it's like a microcosm for so much other yeah. problems. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I feel like I've had bad experiences because I was a sign model for a bit. Um, but at the time I didn't have, um, I'd already shaved my hair. But for example, my sister, she's mixed race. And whenever she's been on set, she sent me photos from being on set before where there's five people stood around her holding different parts of her hair, not knowing what the fuck to do with it. And it's just like, there's, yeah, there's just, there's so many pockets of, there's just so many pockets so many and did it become a way for you to like start to experiment with the gender like with breaking the gender binary was that a kind of gateway through which you started experimenting or was that something you were already doing through clothes anyway I feel like I was already doing it through clothes I always people used to say I always dress a little bit different because I'm from a place called Leicester so it's like in the Midlands it's like a lot smaller and not as I don't know, people aren't as expressive as they are in London with their identity. But I'd always stood out in Leicester, but I was still conforming to, you know, like wearing uncomfortably tight dresses and massive heels and like eyelashes and stuff. But I felt like it was when, because I shaved my hair when I moved to London. So it was when I was surrounded by people who were just like so comfortable in trying out and experimenting with their expression that's when it kind of like it just all slot in and made sense so it was around the same time but I still feel like at the beginning of having a shaved head it was um I didn't feel as comfortable being more mask as I am now so I would always wear makeup I would always wear earrings um I used to wear a lot more fitted clothes but then I kind of just once I let it go and just I wear makeup because it's fun I don't wear it because I feel like I have to. And I wear baggy clothes because they're comfortable. And I kind of feel like I didn't allow myself to have that. Also because I was rejecting um, being queer. Mm. So that was like another 
like little intersection in it where I was going the complete opposite way with wearing loads of makeup and making sure that I presented femme because I knew that my hair took away um, something that made me straight passing. So because I so badly didn't want to be a stereotype, I clung onto it for so long. But then once I just let it all go and then started dating women, everything just made sense. You just touched on it before, but um, you spent years as a model and it's no secret that the fashion industry is a pretty horrendous place for women of colour. If you don't mind talking about kind of your experience as a whole in the fashion industry. It was horrible Um, (laughs) (laughs) for multiple reasons. Um, I was signed one of the biggest agencies in the world um, and they didn't manage to get me any jobs and kind of said, oh, but you know, like, it's still new to the industry, um, having a woman with a shaved head, it's still new to the industry, having a woman with bleached eyebrows. It's still, it's like, it's don't sign. It was very much tokenism. Whenever I was signed somewhere, it was tokenism because they didn't actually know what to do with me. They didn't push for there to be change in the industry. They felt like having me on their board was enough. Um, and also because I've never been stereotypical model size so six to eight or anything smaller but then I'm also not plus size um and there's not a lot of representation of in-betweenies modeling agencies don't know what to do with in-betweenies so size 10 to 12 so there was also that on top of it um but yeah it was mostly tokenism from the agency side um and then being on set is you know the makeup not having the makeup I was once on a shoot and um the makeup artist did the other model's makeup or face and then turned to me and was like, should we put any makeup on her or should we just, and I'm just like, but the other model has a full face. The only reason why you wouldn't put makeup on me is because you don't know how. So it's small things like that. But as a whole, it was just trash. (laughs) And you touched on the size thing and that's, I think, something a lot of people don't realise is that um, girls who aren't, quote-unquote sample size and aren't quote-unquote plus sized are encouraged to either like size up or size down to fit into it which is insane because yeah that like middle ground represents a huge portion probably the majority Mm -hmm. of people who are consuming your brand so was that something were they discussions that were had with you about your body no but it happened to my friend um who was contacted by my first agency to join the agency She's actually from Sweden, so she flew into London to meet them. And then they were like, oh, actually, you've lost a bit of weight, um, so you wouldn't be classed as plus size anymore. So we're not really interested. And it was kind of like, huh? Like, what? What? That didn't make any sense to me. But I feel like it's one of them questions where I'm always going back and forth on whether it lies, the responsibility of changing this lies with the agencies or with the brands. So, for example, if the brands aren't... Um, representing models that are like probably mostly their consumer um size then they're not going to be asking for the models but then it's like but if the models are not being showcased on the agencies then obviously the brands won't even you know what I mean it's like because that's what we found working in magazines I think there was a lot of passing the buck where it was like if you were in a magazine you would say we're only shooting the same type of girl because that's all the agency is offering us. And if you're an agency, you're saying, well, no, magazines are only shooting a certain type of girl. So that's who we're going to put on our books. And then it just becomes this like Mm -hmm. crazy cycle where no one's taking accountability. Mm, Basically that's, that's what the industry is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. 
Instagram is such an interesting tool because it's so useful for creating online communities and activism and reaching new people. But then if you spend too long in that world, it can obviously become quite harmful for your mental health. How have you kind of navigated that balancing act? Uh, It's tough, especially with what's going on right now. Um, In general, I... I'm pretty open about when I'm going through stuff um, and not as like, not that I want a pity party or anything like that. I just feel like if I'm transparent about it, then I don't know. Cause I don't, I did feel like an onus to let people know why I wasn't responding to their texts or why I wasn't so active on Instagram, which obviously I don't owe them shit. Um, but I felt like it helped me to be honest with where I'm at at every point if I am online. Um, so if I'd gone through a few days where I'd literally just been in bed because of um, my depression, then I'll talk about it because also it might make somebody else feel seen. And I think that's, that's it's helped knowing that even though I'm going through something bad, if it makes someone else feel less alone and going through the same thing, then it makes me feel a lot better and it's easier to deal with, but also just like, taking breaks sometimes I'll just put my phone on airplane mode and just switch it off um but that's that's in general but I guess it's been a lot harder with what's going on with Black Lives Matter because it's a time where I want everyone to be talking about it but then at the same time it's bringing up past trauma and it is overload of the information that I already know and then seeing that people are newly outraged is frustrating there's just so many different emotions with it right now so especially now I have to just leave my phone and then just come back. Or if I post something, post it and don't scroll down. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I can't lie. Yeah, I feel the same way in terms of being open and then realizing that you're helping people and it makes you feel a bit better about it. Um, We have both been super open about, I've just recently gone through my first ever bout of depression, super fun for me, Um, but we've both been super open about seeing a therapist on the podcast and I saw recently that you saw one for the first time. Um, When we saw therapists, um, we were just like, I can't believe we haven't gone sooner. Do you feel the same? Yeah, honestly, like, because I've had friends that have told me, like, therapy is, like, essential. And I've seen that people have said it's essential, period, like, whether you're going through something Mm. or not. But then, obviously, there's the thing with um, wanting to find the right one. And also that it costs a lot of money, and I didn't necessarily have that money. So I had to go on a waiting list through the doctors. 
Um, and it actually took around six months for me to get my first um, therapy session. And it was also a limited amount because it was free, because it was on the council. So it was great that I had it, but I do feel like it's hard to access it if you don't have the money but I do feel like it's essential if you do have the money and I'm grateful for just so unfair yeah yeah and also it's like I initially was like okay if I'm gonna benefit from this therapy I need to be able to be completely open um so I need to have a queer black woman but then also how many queer black women therapists are there in the tiny area that I live in in London it's kind of like a I don't know, it's hard. And obviously there's not that many because, oh, it's just the system which just goes round and round and round. <laughs> yeah. Um, we wanted to go back to Instagram for a moment. Um, you shared some crazy um, DMs and emails you've been getting recently. I just, <laughs> like, we both, our jaws were on the floor when we saw it and it's, it's essentially from what we gathered, like white women asking you to share their anti-racism resources on your social media so they can get followers out of it basically and so many of the women that we follow have been getting a mass amount of followers in the last couple of weeks and the common theme is stop coming into my inbox and telling me about your racist uncle who you hate stop coming into my inbox and Mm -hmm. asking me what can I do when I've given you a billion tools like what has that experience been like having to deal with a bigger platform, but then all of the bullshit <laughs> that comes with that. Uh, honestly, I'm raging and I find it, I was talking to Floss about this actually, I find it difficult to be appreciative of people finally giving a shit because it's not even like I've been talking about this now. I've been, I've got posts dated back to like 2016 where I'm talking about this stuff. I've got posts. I did a white privilege post like two years ago. It's just, it's it's like a backhanded compliment that I'm getting, even though I'm getting like these reparations, which is like great because it's paying my rent. Yeah, um, that post of yours was so fucking funny. <laughs> I was literally like, oh my God, I'm going to lose followers from this, but I actually don't give a shit. Because <laughs> white guilt is paying my rent right now. Yeah, it's like, well, it's, what, what are you going to As it should. Yeah, it's as it fucking should. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, it feels like a backhanded compliment. Like, I give a shit about you, but I didn't before. Or, like, I'm willing to listen to you and take on board your resources, but I didn't give a shit before. And it's kind of like too little, too late. But also, if you want to follow me, then follow me. Because I'm still going to talk the way that I've always spoken and I'm not going to silence myself for my oppressors any longer. So, it's kind of just like, I don't feel like I have to change or anything, but please don't come in my DMs. It's so frustrating. Honestly, like, it's so frustrating. And people following you to your email account when they can't get you on DM. Yeah. That was the craziest one. Honestly. Like, like hey, you didn't reply. Yeah. I'm just double checking. Can you post about me? Do you know what? Honestly, it's crazy. It's not even just emails. I had someone who actually broke um data protection because I'd worked for their brand and they whatsapped me when I didn't respond to their DM so it's just like the audacity like people (laughs) I don't understand why people feel like they have a backdoor access to me 
no like it's it's never been like that even sometimes i won't reply to my friends in a few days because i don't have the energy or the, and sometimes i just don't even want to reply to you period it's like why do you feel like you have that access it's just rude mm, yeah it's crazy <laughs> Um, something you talked about with Vogue was feeling like you had imposter syndrome. I think that was in specific context to launching Girls Will Be Boys. Um, can you talk a bit about, and I think that's a very common feeling that people feel no matter how big or successful they get. Um, can you talk a bit about how, if you have, you've managed that feeling? Hmm, I feel like imposter syndrome alongside depression is a tough one um and I also feel like it's hard because of obviously it's more common in marginalized women um but I feel like because there's this narrative it's it's like a silent narrative of there only being one spot for a black woman there's competition within the black community. So it's hard to like feel like you're enough and that you're not always in competition when society has placed that on you anyway. Obviously now everyone's trying to be a bit more inclusive, but up until now, it's like, there's only gonna be one black woman hired for this job. So then you have to fight among the people that you actually wanna be lifting up and growing together. and throwing compliments back and forth but it just it feels like there's competition a lot of the time because we all know there's only one spot so I feel like there's intersections to imposters there's intersections to everything but definitely to imposter syndrome because we are pitted against each other for jobs yeah that's so funny I hadn't thought about it in that way before because we have thought about it in the sense of being women in the workplace but then yeah even more so it's yeah that must be fucking intense so you touched on earlier um coming out as queer and it's obviously pride month um now that we're talking and we recently spoke to a good friend of yours who said the same thing as you where she said she suffered from immense internalized homophobia or biphobia in her case um what was your journey towards acceptance like um it was definitely I can't quite put my face, I still need to do the work and unpack this properly as to why I had so much internalised homophobia. Even though my sister came out as queer, my younger sister, before I did, um, and she was a lot younger than me, I only came out really two years ago. Um, But I just feel like stereotypes have been placed on me my entire life for being black. And I didn't want to be another stereotype of being a queer person. So I rejected it for so long. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was just trying to avoid stereotypes. I didn't want to be, oh, she's got a shaved hair, she wears black clothes, like she's gay or, and I don't know, I guess you just go with what you know. So when you're fed a heterosexual, narrative your entire life you just go with it and it's it's just all the stuff that is standard as a female that all you see in like movies is like guys and girls and you're supposed to um long for like acceptance from the male gaze and all that kind of stuff and I think I was just constantly 
trying to work out who I was, period, because I was a black woman with a lot of white friends and it was just, yeah, I was just trying to figure out where the hell I even fit in. Um, and then being queer on top of that was just way too heavy. So I just like rejected it and yeah. I love how your sister came out. She was just like, yeah, or, or, or yeah. A girl. when your mum says you might she, get a boyfriend, that, that my, my little sister did the same thing. I was like, why are you so cool? I was like, I don't know who taught you to be so cool. And then she was just like, um, yeah, I said, I said, which is like so ignorant now, but I was younger and I was like, do you have a boyfriend? She was like, I have a girlfriend. I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, and then ages later, I was like, are people weird at school about this? Cause she's still, she was at high, there was like 16 going to high school together. They're still together now. And she's 19. And um, she was, I was like, are people weird at school? And she was like, oh, yeah, but they can just get fucked. I was like, why do you, like, I was like, I'm such a fucking people pleaser. And I'm like 29 <laughs> and you just, I was like, miss the gene. Yeah, she's, she's literally never given a fuck. Like she never really had boyfriends, but then she was much more of like, um, I don't know, she was more into like just being active and like she always had energy. And I just feel like she wasn't ever, even the fact that she never had like, um, she never had like body dysmorphia or any of the other crap that like most women have. Mm. That's why I'm just always so in awe of her because she just grew organically and it's weird because we have the same upbringing with the same parents and the same household. Um, yeah, I know. But she just turned out to be, I don't know, she's just an icon. We wanted to go back to fashion specifically for a moment. Obviously there was that meme that circulated this week making fun of how fashion brands were like... <laughs> Blonde white woman times a billion, and then a week ago it was like black tile, yeah. and now like five black women, <laughs> and like a fucking Desmond Tutu quote. And we posted that meme, and we had like a mixed reaction because people were saying, you know, don't make fun of people who are trying. And we obviously are like, shut up. But then it's also that thing of you don't want to discourage people from changing, even though it's incredibly late. Do you feel hopeful that this is going to be? a long-term shift or are you still quite skeptical that it will pass? I do think it will shift. I don't know how long it will take, but I do think it will shift. And I think, I, I, I don't know how long it will take to reach the people that will make the big changes because uh, I don't know, like Instagram bloggers or whatever posting, oh, share uplift uh, melanated voices or whatever. It's like, okay, so it changes like a few followers, a few more followers follow black people, but it's like, where is it all changing? There's so much to be done that I feel like it's going to take a long time, but we have to start somewhere. And it feels like this could be igniting the start of like something at least. We have, I haven't seen this in my lifetime. So I feel like, yeah, this is definitely a start to something, but with regards to like the people being offended by the thing and being discouraged it's like get a grip first of all it's a joke and like second of all I just feel like if, if you're really gonna people put their energy into the wrong things so many people are more like they put too much energy into being offended by something rather than just like changing so it's like of course, oh, yeah. that's why I wrote the post that was like, um, you're going to feel guilt. Of course, you're going to fucking feel guilt. If you don't, then it's not going to be genuine change. Of course, you're going to feel guilt. You're going to feel embarrassed. You're going to feel attacked. But that's just the way it goes. Like we've, we as black people have felt a lot harder things. And if you can't handle that, 
then it's kind of like you're not really cut out to do the work and you're just happy sitting pretty on your privilege. And you're not going to get a pat on the back. I think that's the biggest thing that people are grappling with is they expect to post something and then have everyone be like, you're amazing, well done. And it's like, no, this this bit is just the bare minimum. Literally. <laughs> and you're going to do all of this work and you're not ever going to get a medal or a clap. And you should like... be doing work that no one even knows you're doing. Yeah. Like all yeah. the time. Exactly. So... It's like this is not like you don't get no gold stars, no blue Peter badge. Like you've got to just keep going and we've been doing the work whilst also going through shit since we were like toddlers so why do you think that you can just like I said you don't study for a test overnight ace this is not that situation like you're gonna have to sit in shame for a very long time in order to even get close to what we felt all of our lives and make change Mm, yeah I yeah I agree where it's like this is so great that this is happening. But then when you think about how, um, then you just think about the fact that Trump's the president and you're like, cool. Oh God, I'm getting started on that. Oh my God. Honestly, that, that's like, where I lose hope. That's what. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Cause I'm like, we should fucking abolish the police. And then I'm like, well, is anyone going to do that? Yeah, I think even like, did you see about um, George Floyd's the officer? that killed him oh, got bailed out yeah bail because he raised the money he raised a million dollars worth of bail funds who the fuck is sending that money that's what scares me it's so sickening that should be fucking leaked that list yeah that that's what is like oh shit are we really gonna make oh is it yeah. really gonna i don't know i don't know i try and stay hopeful but like yeah. yeah. I think one of the best things that I've noticed um, that actually Kitty Cash again pointed out to us last week is the way that Instagram and social media is being used to really shame these people into probably being too scared to be outwardly racist at least. Like that Karen's Gone Wild Instagram account oh, that is literally... So good. And, and yeah, like a racist woman. And then two minutes later, her name has been found. Her state's been found. Yeah. She's been fired. It's like, you can't get away with that shit anymore. Yeah, definitely. That, that's, that feels good, can't I? <laughs> yeah. Even like the other day um, when I was walking home, uh, the police pulled over a driver and he got out of the car and the police were talking to him and it was a young black man. And like, everyone on the street just stopped and just we were just watching them really <laughs> and to you make say sure the police okay. officers were so they were like hey mate yeah 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 like being so overly yeah. friendly and it was like this awkwardly really friendly thing because the whole like it was this intersection and everyone just stopped and looked because they think there's just this consciousness of no one is going to be the bystander who mm-hmm. lets something that's good anymore, you know yeah, yeah. and that felt like a tangible change but have you noticed specifically um after these past couple of weeks have you noticed when you go out people act different towards you i haven't really been out <laughs> because it's like yeah COVID. true London. um yeah i haven't no i haven't really been out i think i don't know i feel like um like i said this in an interview that i did the other day it's like sometimes i don't even nest because i have so many boxes of marginalization ticked i don't know which one is the thing that's making people react to me in a certain way in certain situations do you know what i mean it's like is it because i'm a woman or is it because i'm black or is it because i have a shaved head or is it because you think i'm gay like what i don't know which one it is 
We've just had friends who've posted like white people are smiling at us on the street and it's weird. <laughs> 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 like in the yeah. last week. <laughs> oh my god, that is so weird. <laughs> yeah. So fucking hell. Like that's that's not the answer. Anyway. Thank you um, so much for your time. Oh, our last question that we always ask that we just forgot about. Yeah, go on, Grace. You do so, it. Because this is after work drinks with the premise is people we'd like to be having an actual drink with, but because of coronavirus, we can't. Um, could you please tell us, if you do drink, where you like to drink in London and what your drink of choice is? I like to drink um, somewhere. Oh, that's really tough because I haven't been out for a drink in like four months. Um, I know. When the weather's like a rooftop bar. There's not no. Um, East London, because that's where the queers are. Um, like any any bar, and it depends on the weather. But I'll either go for a pale ale, or and depending on my budget, if I'm feeling fancy, I'm gonna get a spice rub and lemonade. What is that? Spice rum. Oh, spice rum and lemonade. Yeah. I, saw, I thought you said a cocktail. I was like, ooh. Oh, no, no. I don't really like – they're too sweet. I don't really like cocktails. Yeah, but I would honestly like anywhere in Eastland, anywhere in, like, Shoreditch, Dawson, all the queers are there. It's just, like, fun. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.